on, Black people? How you doing? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent Black people. Today, we are going to talk about the the strange curse of this strange virus that's been uh, going throughout the country. This uh, you know, this very costly, deadly virus called Baby Mama Itis, and Baby Mama Itis is a big deal. Uh, you you uh, you have to get make sure you get get the shot so you can protect yourself. Uh, Baby Mama Itis is taking out brothers. Uh, uh, in a landslide by the thousands. So, uh, so you got to protect your loved ones, and we're going to talk to you about that today. Uh, and so, today, my special guest, uh, the brother I get to hang out with, is Jeff Lighty Jr. from the Black Boss Channel. What's going on, Jeff? How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Doctor Boyce? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good, good. So uh, today, you, uh, I want to say hello to Terry Cobb and Carla Johnson. I see you in here first, and and Max Jerome. What's going on, brother? Uh, all right, so so here, here's the deal. All right, so how many of you, uh, give me a yes or no in the chat. Give me a yes or no. How many of you have heard about Clinton Portis? Uh, how many of you have heard of Clinton Portis, uh, who used to um, play for the Washington Redskins? Uh, he was once uh, the highest paid running back, I believe, in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, extremely talented. Uh, what I'm going to do is actually share his uh, image on the screen. Give me a yes or no if you know who Clinton Portis is. If you know, Maybe you're not a football fan. Uh, but that's the brother right there doing his thing. He was an extraordinarily good running back, and uh, he was. Um, he, then they paid him. They paid him extremely well. Well, uh, apparently, uh, Clinton Portis is in big trouble uh, right now, from what the media is saying. Uh, basically, a, a few reports are saying that he may face jail time for uh, unpaid child support. I mean, really unpaid child support uh, and massive uh, amounts of money that that are owed to a lot of people, including his own mama. And so to kind of break this down, I want to ask Jeff, uh, Jeff Lighty Jr. from Ball Sports. Uh, what's going on with Clinton Portis uh, right now? Clinton Portis has had, uh, like you said, a very expensive disease called baby mama-itis. And one of the things that that really – Clinton Portis has had money problems for a while now, right? Like this – I mean, this is documented at least 10 years from last I checked. But the thing is what happened was Clinton Portis, like a lot of guys who go into the NFL, got a ton of money and trusted the wrong people didn't know you know who to trust got some bad people okay jeff is going in and out for me let me know give me a yes or no if you're able to hear jeff clearly because uh right now it sounds like he's uh frozen on my end uh let me know if you if you're able to hear jeff or in or if you can hear me because uh, it could be me going in and out or it could be jeff uh, let, let me know. It, it says you're breaking up. Uh, DDS says you're breaking up. Am I breaking up or is Jeff breaking up? Uh, who's breaking up? Okay, it looks like Jeff uh, stepped out. Uh, okay, so he's going in now. Okay, all right, so we're going to try to bring Jeff back in. Well, let me give you all the, the story in terms of what's going on with Clinton Portis, and um, and then hopefully we can get Jeff back in here if we can figure out what's going on with the Wi-Fi situation. Um, basically, Clinton Portis is a brother who um, who owes a lot of money in child support, uh, now, according to Total Pro Sports, uh, they're saying it's 147000 but it looks a lot deeper than just um, $147,000 in child support. Uh, they're actually talking about, uh, I heard them mentioning things like jail time, which really worries me for him. And I'm going to read some of this to you. Oh, you can hear me clearly? Okay, thank you, Ronnie Reparations. I appreciate it. Um, it says here that uh, Clinton Portis uh, has jail in his future if he doesn't pay what he owes to take care of his kid. This week, an arrest warrant was issued for the former NFL running back over unpaid child support. According to court documents, he has failed to make a single payment of court-ordered child support of $1,937 a month to the mother of a child born in March of 2015. The first request for enforcement was filed in October 2019. At that point, 
Portis owed $103,775. So the amount that he owed went up from $103,000 to $147,000. This is according to Jennifer Cabrera in the Alacua, Florida Chronicle. She says, uh, quote, after Portis failed to appear at hearings, let me see if I can bring Jeff back in here. After Portis failed to appear at hearings, an order to appear and show cause was issued on J- July 20th, 2021, ordering Portis to appear before the court on August 6th or be arrested. When he didn't appear on August 6th, he was found in civil contempt of the court. That order found that Portis owes retroactive child support of $147,962.49 plus interest. It is also found that he has quote, the means and ability to pay and has guaranteed income and has substantial retirement assets. So it almost sounds like they're saying that he's hiding his money, that his assets are not being uh, shared by the court. Now, I'm going to try to bring Jeff back in. Hopefully we, uh, we, we get the audio thing fixed. If not, man, uh, what we could do is maybe try, uh, see if we can bring you in audio only, uh, to okay. at least hear you. Uh, so Jeff, uh, tell us about Clinton Portis and, and what's going on with him. So, like you said, Clinton Portis is someone who rose up the ranks of in the football world, right? He was a famous, really star athlete at the University of Miami, got drafted, was really good with the Broncos and with the Washington football team. And But it sounded like he had money problems from the jump. It, it sounds as almost as if he was taken advantage of by some agents, some guys recommended to him by the NFLPA, and they invested a lot of his money in, in stupid, dumb stuff. A, a casino in Alabama that went defunct in 2012. And then, like, then all of these debts started to pile up. Clint Portis was someone that was really known for having an outgoing personality, but he essentially said that he was taken advantage of because it was just like, hey, I make the money, I pay you guys to handle the money. And, and I'll go out and just play football, party, and do whatever. And it's not supposed to run out. Because like you said, Doc, you alluded to earlier, that Clinton Portis got the largest contract in NFL history for a running back at the time. Right? I want to say it was like $50 million, $17 million guaranteed. Like it was, it was the biggest deal in NFL history. And so to have gone broke and have all of these, I mean, several money problems over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, it's just, it, it sounds like, I mean, I don't know about you, Doc, but somebody gave me $50 million in, in 15 years, I wouldn't be broke. I mean, I'm just like, so that is essentially what's happened to Clinton Portis. And it's it's sad and unfortunate because he's one of, you know, hundreds of, if not thousands of stories we've heard similar to this. Mm. Okay, so when you talk about Clinton Portis, and, and by the way, everybody, I'm talking to Jeff Lightsey Jr. from the theblackbosschannel.com. Make sure you subscribe to the theblackbosschannel.com. Uh, we talk about all different things that that brothers care about, uh, from everything from sports to economics, you know, picking stocks in the stock market to uh, all kinds of stuff. So if you're interested, uh, uh, subscribe to the BlackBallsChannel.com. Uh, black men control the conversation there. That's very important. Now, with that said, uh, as you hit the thumbs up button, uh, I, you know, look at the, when I see this picture, you know, and I'm not, you can't, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at this picture, I think they had a picture of it like this in, in, in the media of him with the ladies and stuff like that. And uh, and I, I assume that those are those are ladies that he's interested in. I don't think they're like his daughters or anything like that. They're both holding like alcoholic drinks. You know, he's look he's got his swag on and everything else. And he's the wealthy millionaire NFL player. <laughs> and you know what that comes with. Right. That's going to come with a lot. Now, again, I without judging, without trying to understand his his personal life. I did read that he has a few a few different baby mamas going on. 
right? He has a, a few different uh, situations with women and children. Uh, I, I saw the number four. Is that accurate, Jeff? Uh, how many different? Do you know how many about how many kids? I'm he not has? sure. I'm not sure how many children he has, but that would sound about right because we're talking about someone, like I said, that's been in the spotlight since the early 2000s. So we're talking about you know 20 years, 20, 21 years of you know, whether it's women, publicity, notoriety, fame, all of that stuff. So if that was the number, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. So I, I think that, you know, what, what the reason I was asking about that is because I think sometimes we forget that, like, there's different sides to that. Right. There's different yeah. sides to attracting all the ladies. And um, and that's where I've had a difference with some guys, you know, some guys that that, would, you know, that were that, that, that just, just kind of had fun kind of, I guess, clowning me because they were like, well, why would you pick one woman <laughs> when you have all the women? I'm like, because I don't want all the women like <laughs> like I don't want all of that because all the women comes with um, all the problems. It comes with uh, all the diseases. Uh, it comes with all the child support. It comes with <laughs> all the risk, uh, you know, that, that somebody could accuse you of something crazy or whatever. You know, when you're a black mm-hmm. man, you get accused of something, you, you know, that you're going down just from an accusation. So, so, but again, I had to get older to really understand that. If I wasn't 25 and had all that attention, I would think that it was a good thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and so with, with Clinton, uh, I'm going to read a little bit more of this to you guys. And I uh, hit the thumbs up button as I read this. Uh, so Clinton Portis, who was a former uh, Washington Redskins and Denver Broncos running back, he signed an eight-year, $50 million deal that included $17 million in com- combined signing bonuses uh, in 2004. At the time, the deal made him the highest-paid running back in NFL history. Now, pay attention now. Listen up, everybody. Five years later, in 2009, most of his money was gone. Mm. Five years later, most of his money was gone. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, Jeff, Jeff, I remember a story about Clinton Portis, and I'm not in, in any way attacking him or dissing him. I mean, people have seen me go hard about certain things, and I, I don't want to sound self-righteous because Lord knows we all make mistakes. I mean, I've been a baby daddy. I'm, you know, I was an 18-year veteran <laughs> of the child support system, and, uh, and I, I paid, you know, and it's funny. When they said he paid $1,900 a month in child support for his child, I thought that was fascinating because I paid like $1,200 a month, and I didn't make Clinton Portis money. You were a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I was paying like $1,100 or $1,200 a month. And I'm like, damn, he's, he's a multi-time. He, he, he got that, the biggest contract in NFL history. He's only paying a little bit more than I was paying. And I know what it was. I believe what it was is that I think he has situations in a lot of places. Right, mm-hmm. he had that kind of Nick Cannon-ish scenario going on, and and I'm not judging that. I mean, I guess it's fine if you can afford it. That's it. You know, kids are expensive. The average cost of raising a child in America is about a quarter of a million dollars. So if you think of a baby like a student loan, every time you have a baby with somebody, pay attention now. Give me a yes or no if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, every time you have a baby with somebody, it's like going to a quarter million dollars in debt. It's like taking on another student loan for a quarter million dollars. So if you get six kids, you know, with with, with a bunch of women. Then you're gonna you're, you're 1.5 million dollars in debt pretty much because kids are very very expensive. So um, you know kids are a joy. Like I love kids. I I, I love kids so much that I'm I was happy to marry a woman with children because I love you know raising kids that are in my house where I can influence them and help them have a better life and everything else. Uh, but what I did not enjoy, what I would not enjoy, is the idea of paying 30 percent, 40 percent of my check to somebody else. That's going to get to connect with my child. That's going to be raising my child in somebody else's house. So, so that's like uh, remember the British used to talk about um, taxation without representation. Yeah, yeah, no taxation yeah. without representation. Yeah, yeah, that's what you feel like. <laughs> you're, you're being taxed, but you have no rights. You, your, your rights as a father are kind of shot in the sense that the mother is going to decide what's going to happen with that child. Uh, if she's got a baby, da- or, you know, got a, a boyfriend or a a husband in the house, he's going to have more sway over your kids than you will. 
but you're going to be paying all in bills. And that's a terrible mm. decision. The only time you'll get lucky is if you have a, an extraordinarily mature father or extraordinarily mature mother in the household who says, let's make sure that you're included in the decisions. Right. Uh, you know, cause, cause I, when I married Alicia, she had children. Uh, they have a dad. I respect him immensely. I invite him to participate in all things that are happening with his kids. Cause I'm like, look, these are your children. Right. But, but, but that ain't always like that. You got some kids out here, man, that, what well, daddy don't get to say shit. Daddy, daddy, they only thing they want from daddy is the check. Only thing they want is the money, and they don't want your opinion. You ain't gonna decide if your daughter when your daughter's gonna get her nails done. You don't get to decide if she's old enough to get a perm. You know, like none of that. Somebody else is deciding, and that is very frustrating. So Jeff, um, and by the way, everybody, we're talking about Clinton Portis, and I'm talking to Jeff Lysy Jr. from the Black Boss Channel. So Jeff, tell us more about Clinton Portis's uh, previous financial problems in terms of, uh, and I'll give you my. Point, point of view in terms of what I saw. What, what did yeah. you see in your research? Yeah, and like I said, uh, the fact that he came into the league and he was someone that was immensely talented, and that's the thing, like, in the NFL, uh, some guys just pop, right, when they get there, right? Clinton Portis was one of those guys. He's just really good from the jump, right? Ends up getting paid, but trusted the wrong people to invest his money, invested in just, like, basically Ponzi scams, little stuff that lost him a ton of money. And uh oh, Jeff, uh, you're going in and out again, buddy. Uh, it looks like Jeff's going in and out again. Uh, so it looks like he's frozen. So what I'm going to do is I, I'll go ahead and give you you guys some uh, background on uh, what's going on there. I, I don't know what's going on with the uh, with the um, with the uh, video today, but what I'll do is I'll go ahead and, and, and nail it. And then Jeff, hopefully we can get Jeff back. Uh, Jeff Lightsey Jr. He's at the BlackBossChannel.com, by the way. So let me give you guys some background on on Clinton Portis and his financial advisors. Uh, basically, uh, you know, Clinton had some financial advisors who he claims uh, were not very good. Um, it ba- I remember reading a story about Clinton. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Clinton was, uh, he wanted to uh, kill his financial advisor uh, at one point. They, they literally, he claimed he called his friend uh, outside of the um, uh, office of his financial advisor and said, I got a gun, I'm gonna go kill him. Cause he took all my money. And, and, uh, and so, you know, here's the thing. When, when I heard that Clinton Portis had lost all his money, um, the thing is that when in investing, that just doesn't happen. That, that almost never happens. Um, you know, anywhere, right. That that's, it's very hard. Let me just say this. It's very, very hard to lose all your money in an investment. I'm going to just tell you guys that point blank period. Um, <clears throat> the only way you can lose your money, all your money on, on your investments is if you invest in the wrong way. And so when I heard that he lost almost everything, I immediately knew what probably happened. You know, the, the doctor in me kind of diagnosed the situation from a distance. And I said, he probably wasn't adequately diversified. So when I looked in, meaning that he didn't have his money spread out, if they, you know, a good financial advisor is going to have your money spread out everywhere, that your money's going to be spread out like Al-Qaeda. It's going to be, because Al-Qaeda, you know how they had the little cells where you couldn't take out one, one person or one location. They were all over the place. So so basically, um, you know, a good financial advisor would have had some money over here and, in, in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in mutual funds, uh, some money over here in real estate, some money over here in a couple of small businesses, some private equity situations, would have had some money over here in the S&P 500, would have had some money over here in emerging markets, would have had some money over here in dividend paying stocks, right? A good financial advisor can would, would list to someone like a Clinton Portis who, who, who has a $50 million deal. They will be able to tell him, like, look, your money is in about 40 different places. You know, when I worked with my financial advisor, he had my money in about 50 different assets. 
Okay. And I, and I did not have Clinton Porter's money. I didn't, I'm not a broke man. I'm not a poor man, but I did not have Clinton Porter's money. So the idea that he lost everything like that, all, that right there was a red flag to say, okay, somebody did some shady stuff with his money. Now, um, just because they did something, I'm going to say, let me say, let me take that word back. I said shady. Um, how about unintelligent? Because being stupid is not illegal. Being stupid is, there's nothing illegal about being stupid. And, and so, uh, you know, while every investment might have followed the letter of the law, which I'm not sure, I got to go look up the details of his case. There were probably some investments where Clinton just got a bad deal. And so uh, one of the things that's really interesting, and this is what they do to a lot of black athletes. I looked up his investment advisors. Uh, one's name is Ruben. And the other's name is, it says Janesh Brombat, which they don't sound black. They don't sound like black people. I don't know what background they are, but but that's what happens, right? So the black athlete comes from the hood. He comes into fifty, a hundred million dollars. Uh, the 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 Brombats and the Rubens suddenly start paying attention to him. Now, mind you, they wouldn't be paying no attention to your black butt when you was back in the hood. But now that you got you come with fifty million dollars attached to you, they're giving you all their attention. Yeah, bro, nice to meet you, man. That was a great game, dude. You're you're awesome, man. Come meet my kids, man. Come meet my sister, man. Right? Like they, like you're the coolest thing in the world. But. Uh, before that, you know, they're not going to come to your hood and want to be a part of your culture and of your community. Right. And and, and just pay attention. Now, you had some uh, financial advisors. you got financial experts in your own community. You've got you know, thousands of black women and men who are excellent attorneys. Uh, you got thousands of black men and women who are excellent accountants. You got thousands of black men and women who are extraordinary financial advisors. But, you know, uh, athletes, for whatever reason, are guided in a different direction. So next thing you know, you got this one brother who's surrounded by a bunch of people who are not black except for his entourage. Right. He brings a couple of homies from the hood. But outside of that, he's got, you know, he's got uh, Mr. Brombat is his uh, is, is his attorney. And then uh, uh, Je- Jeff Rubin is his lawyer. And uh, and and uh, Josh Rothenstein is his uh, financial advisor. Right. And, and, and next thing you know they're accessing his wealth as their capital for their business ventures for their relatives, right? So uh, Mr. Rubenstein comes up and says, hey, uh, hey, bro, um, I, that was a great game you had the other day, dude. That was awesome, man. Um, I got a cousin who's building a casino and, uh, and it's going to be awesome, man. Here, just sign on the dotted line. Don't worry about the don't worry about the details. I, I'll worry about I'll take care of that for you. You just go to the party. I heard there's there's booty and there's bling and everything else, man. So just sign right here. Just sign right here. Don't read. Don't worry about reading. I'll read it for you. And, and next thing you know, he's signing. Right. And then on the fine print on the fine print is where you find that the deal has been structured such that Clinton is taking all the risk and they're getting all the reward. They, they, they've, wrote, they've written a deal that says, heads, I win, tails, you lose, right? So if it goes good, then yeah, dude, we both won, dude, yeah. But if if, if it goes bad, you're taking the bottom end of that deal. You're, you're taking the hit financially for what went wrong with my cousin Vinny's casino. While all the while, um, I've made my fee. I, I My fee is going to come out no matter what. Um, also, uh, Vinny, Vinny took a, a management fee. Vinny uh, hooked up some of his friends with, with your money. Uh, Vinny has hired all the contractors who are in his network, right? Vinny, um, you know, Vinny paid himself a salary to be the vice president or the manager of the casino while they ran the casino into the ground. And next thing you know, Clinton is left holding the bag and everybody else got paid. Remember, money doesn't really disappear like that. Money just changes hands, right? It, it, I mean, if you lose money, 
in a, in most cases, in many cases, it's not because the money just disappeared and went to heaven. It's because somebody else made money. You follow what I'm saying? Give me a yes if you get what I'm saying, right? So, so when Clinton Borders lost his 50 million, somebody else got 50 million. That's what you call a wealth transfer. That's what we call in economics. We call that a wealth transfer. So, uh, so that that's what I'm seeing here. I don't know Clinton Porters. I don't know a situation. And Lord knows I'm not here to go make fun of anybody that's that's made mistakes. Because because shoot, if we if we line up talking about who did, who's done stupid things. I'm going to sign up first for that list because I too was a young man. If you gave me $50 million at the age of 25 with no good mentorship, I might've gone broke too. I might've gone broke too. And and I was working on my PhD at the time. So, so if, if I could have gone broke as a young guy, uh, you know, then, then I, I don't get mad at guys when, when this happens to them. I just think these are cautionary tales to understand these things. And also, as we move forward, by the way, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button. I don't know if you guys know that this podcast has an audio version. You can actually go to the Dr. Boyce Breakdown to hear the audio version of this podcast. And uh, also, I want to remind everybody, the All Black National Convention happens at the end of October. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that we do at the All Black National Convention. We, we talk about everything that affects Black people from uh, relationships to uh, politics to uh, wealth-related issues, everything from crypto to stock market investing. And also we are big on forming relationships with each other, helping you to connect with other B1 people who are intelligent, uh, who want to build, who want to grow, helping you find people to join your investment club, helping people you to, that you can find to maybe somebody if you want to date somebody. We're doing speed dating. We have a masquerade ball. We have all kinds of panels and breakout sessions and everything else. The resort is beautiful, and we'd love to have you guys come there. Uh, you can go to allblacknationalconvention.com and get super early bird tickets. Uh, I know you're going to love it because the convention is designed just for you. Uh, there's no interference from anybody outside our community uh, on this convention, right? We don't we don't even let we don't even let a lot of black people participate because uh, a lot of black people are lost and their 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 brains are headed in the wrong direction. So we want to talk to folks that really want to build and are tired of the nonsense. We don't want people that are happy with the status quo or happy with the way things are going. We want people that are kind of concerned that want to see us do better, that want to see us reach our potential. So if you're in that category, bring your family, bring your wife, your kids, your baby mama. I don't care. Uh, we're gonna have a really good time. All right. So um, anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Let me read a little bit more about. Clinton Portis in his economic situation. It says in 2017, he detailed to Brian Burmsteads, where are they now? How he went from a massive contract to not having anything. He trusted advisors, Jeff Rubin and Janesh Brombat, both of whom were registered financial advisors with the NFL Players Association. He said, quote, they come impressive. The, the complication begins because you don't understand what, uh, you don't understand it. You don't know what they're saying, but you just get involved, right? So that to me is a scenario where, having some advisors you can trust can be beneficial to you, right? Uh, you know, if, if a Clinton Portis got on the phone with me and said, hey, man, this I'm about to sign this deal. I'd like your two cents on it. Um, you know, I, I, I would probably be able to tell him like, oh, this sounds great. Or, oh, be careful. Watch out for this and watch out for that. Um, you need people in your corner that you trust who are going to look over whatever things you're going to get, you're going to participate in. Because when people say, oh, you should become an investor, that, that isn't always a good thing. Becoming an investor it's like somebody saying, um, I don't know that you should go and have children, uh, but yet you and then you just go and make a baby with anybody who comes along. Right. Because you, because you're like, oh, you're a woman, you're fertile. Let's have a baby. Well, every woman isn't somebody you should have a baby with. Right. Because that's a huge investment and you have to vet the things that you're invested in. So I, I would almost say that I wonder if he had people in his corner 
who knew what was going on that he could trust who were going to keep him focused because that's another problem too like you saw with <clears throat> with Shikari Richardson I wondered who's keeping you focused right who's keeping you from kind of getting too caught up in the nonsense getting too caught up in uh, in, in, in this weird culture that we have, you know, where you pop in your collar and talking smack after the Jamaicans just literally wipe the floor with your butt, you know, and, and you're killing your, your money at that point because now a lot of people don't like you anymore and these corporate sponsors are going to walk away. Uh, young people in our community need advisors. And this is one of the things that they killed with the, the black communities. They, they killed the family. Uh, to put the, our young people in a position where they're going out into the world without any sort of community-based support. If you look at the people that are most successful, let's talk about the Olympics. Let's look at Sidney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad. When Sidney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad were running, they uh, I saw Delilah Muhammad's family. She had a strong black father, a strong black mother, a whole black community out there. I believe it's Brooklyn that was backing her up. These are the people that kept her straight, that kept her focused, that kept her smart, that made sure she knew what she was doing. And that's how you become successful. It takes a village to raise the bar. It takes a village to succeed. Right. So everybody type the word village in the chat if you understand what I'm saying. So I wonder with when it, when something like this happens to a young athlete, my question is, what's the village? Where was the village? Right. Because they took away your village. Right. When they killed your family, they took away the village. So the village becomes, you know, the government. Right. The village, your, your new village becomes uh, the corporate plantation. Right. Where the where the where the black woman becomes more loyal to her boss than she is to her own damn husband. Right. Because the ball well, the white man's paying the bills. So that's the man I'm loyal to. I'm going to take my bonnet off of him. I'm going to show up for him. I'm going to look good for him. But I don't even respect this man who's in the bed next to me because uh, he's, he's he might be the person who's getting in the way of me getting my welfare check. Right. So so ultimately, uh, that's what they did. They replaced the family with these other things. And that's how your children get screwed. That's how your children get harmed because nobody cares about black children except black people. Nobody cares about black youth except black people. When I talk about black youth, I'm talking about the young Clinton Portis. And now the old Clinton Portis is paying a debt for the young Clinton Portis's decisions, it sounds to me. So let me talk about some of the court documents. It says here that he owed $412,000 to dom in domestic support to four women. So $400,000 for four women, that's about a hundred thousand dollars a woman. That's some expensive sex. That's some real expensive vagina. Uh, now maybe they had little gold nuggets like falling out of their out of their coochies. Uh, but I've never met uh, a one hundred. You know, I've only met one uh, one one uh, person that was worth that much money to me uh, when it came to you know what, and that's my wife upstairs, <laughs> and that was a big investment. But and you can bet your butt. That before I made that investment, I vetted that investment in every way imaginable to not just look at what happens if things go right, but to say, what happens if things go wrong? What if this woman decides that she don't want nothing to do with me no more? How does she, how do, does she, how do, does she, does she end relationships well, right? Uh, you know, and that's important. People don't think about that, right? Like, you, it's easy to find out how somebody acts when they're nice to you, when they like you. My question is always, how would you act toward me if you're, uh, if, if you're not happy with me, like, like I think about Shikari Richardson and we know Shikari is a great winner, but are you an, are you a good loser? Can you be a good loser? Allison Felix, for example, showed that Allison Felix is a gracious winner and she's an equally gracious loser. And, and in relationships, some people are great winners. Like when things are good and everything's wonderful, they're very, oh, I love you. You're so good. I got good. I'm, I'm boo. I kiss you. Boo, boo, you the best. Right. And, but then when things aren't going right, when they're not happy with you anymore, it suddenly turns to screw you. I hate you. I want you to die. I'm going to take all your money. 
I'm going to keep your kids from you, whatever, right? So with Clinton Portis, uh, he owed $400,000 to four different women, uh, $390,000 to the IRS, tax problems, you know, that, that can come with wealth. Here's another thing that got my attention that really made me sad, $287,000 to the MGM Grand and $170,000 to the Borgata. That signifies uh, one of the deadly sins that causes a lot of black men to go broke, and that is gambling. Gambling is something you have to be very careful about. There are four things that can usually bring a man down. Are y'all ready? Give me a yes if you're ready for me to tell you. I'm about to give you the keys to the universe. There's typically four things. I study I study success so I, because I want to be successful, and I study failure because I don't want to be a failure. So let me give you four things that will bring a black man down typically. Uh, if you're a black man, watch out for these things. If you have a black man in your life, make sure he watches this video. If you are a black woman, watch out for black men who, who are um, overindulgent in these four things. You ready? Four things that bring a black man down. Sex, too much sex, too many women, too much chaos. Um, drugs, alcohol, or gambling. Sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling. When you look at the unraveling, I encourage you, again, if you want, life is a university. Life is, God gives you lessons everywhere. God is putting lesson plans on your desk every morning. It's up to you to decide if you're going to look at them. Every morning, you get you get to see examples of success and failure. Anybody that wants to be successful, go study successful people and how they make choices and how they think, and then go study failures and people who had it all and lost it all, and then try to figure out what was the turning point, what was the inflection, what happened here, right? And, and do your forensics because what you'll find is that in many cases, um, guy gets a whole lot of money. Next thing you know, all all every every vagina within a hundred mile radius is being thrown at him. And he don't know what to do with that. It's overwhelming. He's been taught through bad culture. Remember, culture is very important, deeply connected to wealth. So through bad culture, he's taught that if a working vagina is thrown in your direction, you're supposed to use it. You're supposed to not, you're supposed to put your penis in it. You don't know what's in that vagina. You don't know who's been there. You don't know, you know, the whole damn Cincinnati Bengals could have been up in there, but you don't care because she looked good and she got a big booty and, a, and, and whatever. And she drops it in, in the bedroom, whatever, right? Uh, like P.J. Washington, go look up the story of P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington, baby mama literally had done a video that said, if you want to come off a check with a man, go get an athlete to get you pregnant. They don't use condoms and they're stupid. She literally said that, right? So I don't know about y'all, but if somebody's calling me stupid, if somebody's like, oh, he's stupid, you can just play this dumbass. I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm going to say, no, you're not going to play me like that, right? So, but, but that's, so the sex part, uh, which we talked about before, I mean, it comes with just a lot of stuff and I encourage you guys to kind of be able to rise above that because that's a low vibration behavior, right? Every, every man, every woman wants, you know what, you know, I mean, we all have experienced it. It's a great experience. If you haven't done it, you should try it. But then there's like a higher level you have to go to at some point where you stop behaving like a goddamn animal. You're not an animal. A dog will screw anything that walks by, you know, a dog, dogs just don't care. They ain't thinking about STDs, anything about babies, mamas, anything about child support. The dog's like, yeah, let me go hit that because I'm a dog. And that's what dogs do but you're not a dog, man. Like you, you, you know, you're trying to be a king. A, a, a dog is not a king. You can't be a king and a dog at the same time. It doesn't work. Maybe a lion or something, but not a, not a dog. Right. So um, maybe some discernment, maybe valuing yourself is, is a way to kind of process this. Maybe getting away from your slave training to think that just cause she looks good, I'm supposed to hit that. Maybe, maybe that's not the most intelligent way to navigate yourself because you're putting yourself in harm's way every time you lay down with a woman. So um, that's that's the, my advice on the sex thing. Now, with drugs, 
Uh, what worries me about drugs is that drugs put you in a mind altering state. Um, there's a reason why the white man pushes drugs on the black community, because they know that if they put, if I push drugs on you, you're not going to be focused. If I put drugs on you, you're not, you're not going to make good choices. Uh, there are thousands of men right now in prison for things that they did while they were high or while they were drunk. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, if you look at what happened with the crack era, this is connected to black wealth. Anybody who doesn't understand why a finance professor would be talking about sex, drugs, alcohol, and gambling, obviously doesn't understand wealth. <clears throat> and you definitely don't understand this platform because I'm telling you about all the things that are connected to your wealth. So the the drugs come in, uh, crack gets everybody hooked. Either people get getting hooked on the crack, dying from the crack, going to jail over the crack, or traumatized from, from watching all these things happening around you. That destroys the black family. That kills black wealth. You lost probably $5 trillion or more in black wealth accumulation that did not occur that would have occurred if you'd had stable families. So when they destabilize your family and took and made the black had the black woman go from being uh, connected and dependent on the black man and the black family to being dependent on, on Uncle Sam and the corporate plantation, that was by design, right? Now you become a slave and a ward of the state, basically, and because you're turning to the state for things that are typically provided by the family. If you go into the black community, many of the things that we go and look for from the state are things that Asian or Indian or Arab families are going to look uh, get from the family, right? Because they're like, we trust the family. We don't trust the government, right? So, so and some of y'all get this. Some of you, my friends that are Hebrew Israelites, they get it. Uh, my friend, my brothers and sisters in the nation of Islam, they get it. Uh, a lot of people that are in, caught up in this chaotic culture haven't figured it out yet, and that's why I'm talking about it today. Uh, next, so so we talk. So the drugs, drugs put you in a mind altering state. Uh, drugs cause you to make bad decisions. Uh, a, a man who wants to be successful, who wants to be uh, capable and to achieve things must be alert. If you're not alert, then you become a sucker because you technically become unconscious. Conscious people become successful. Unconscious people don't succeed because you're basically the walking dead. You're, you're, you're sleepwalking and sleepwalkers can never get to a destination with any form of intentionality because your brain is in another place. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we do uh, our book club. We're reading Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson. I don't have the book around. I got my Poweronomics book nearby. And um, and we're going to meet we meet Wednesday night at eight o'clock or eight thirty. Excuse me. And you can actually sign up at blackkeystogreatness.com. The URL is right there on the screen. Please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Um, so so uh, so so I mentioned sex and drugs, alcohol. Alcohol is dangerous because everybody thinks it's safe. Alcohol is dangerous because when they made it legal, everyone thought it since it's legal, it must be OK, because, again, they're trusting the government. Right. Where alcohol actually causes more death and more destruction than any other drug out here. Alcohol was rated as the number one most destructive drug in the world, higher than crack, higher than heroin, higher than anything else. How can that be? How can alcohol be the most de you know, destructive drug in the, in, 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 in the world? Well, a lot of that comes from the fact that everybody thinks it's okay. Everybody thinks it's safe. But give me a yes or no. Pay attention. This is where this is where Uncle Boyce, Doctor Boyce comes in, and I'm and I'm gonna help you save your life. I'm I'm giving you the game that a lot of people were never gonna give you. These are the little secrets. These are the little things that millionaires and billionaires figure out. Smart ones figure out that regular people don't. How many of you? Give me a yes or no. How many of you have some relative in your family who can't accomplish shit because he always up in the goddamn bottle? How many of y'all got somebody, a mother, a father, sister, brother, uncle, cousin, friend, uh, buddy from college who literally, because they got introduced to alcohol, 
can't can't accomplish anything because first thing they do when they get stressed out, oh, it's hard to be black. Next thing you know, they go into straight to the bottle. How many of y'all? How many of y'all? And how many of you maybe were made like I was made fun of because I didn't drink. I I didn't drink because I saw uncles going down like flies because I was like, whatever's in that bottle, it must be wonderful, and I don't even want to know what it is because. This dude over here is looking kind of pathetic right now because he done he done passed out in the front yard uh, of his kid's house uh, in, in his children. His seven year old just walked, stepped over his his passed out body. I ain't going out like that. I'm not going to be a sucker like that. I'm not going to have my kids seeing me like that. I want my children to see me as a man, not as some guy who's slurring his speech and driving into telephone poles and, and they got stinky ass breath and is falling out in the front yard. No, seriously. So I'm just sitting here trying to figure out why did I get that memo? And a lot of people didn't. I, why, I'm trying to figure out why do people still think that that's cool when it's really not? I'm not trying to sit here and say something's wrong with you for drinking. My wife drinks and there's nothing wrong with drinking, but my God. You know, alcohol abuse, that again, that probably cost you another couple trillion. Malcolm X used to say it. He said the, the white man will sell you the liquor bottle and then lock you up for being drunk. I'm going to tell you, I spent 27 years on college campuses, and you, I can't tell you how many times uh, uh, a, a young white girl was raped severely after drinking until she passed out and didn't know what the hell was going on. And, and and then somehow we think that if we just make sure we blame men for everything, every mistake a woman makes or every situation that a woman is in, that somehow that's going to make these situations stop. It's not going to stop. Rapists going to keep on raping. So I tell my girls, like, look, if, if somebody does that to you, we're going to go after him with everything we got. But I need you to keep yourself safe. So don't be going to those damn parties and drinking until you pass out. Why is that a set? Why? But when people make everything political, they're like, oh, you're being a, that's toxic masculinity. You're telling you're, you're controlling their lives. You're not giving them the freedom to choose. No, hell no. I don't want you to choose to put yourself in a situation where bad things are going to happen to you. Do you know how many men are locked up in for, with life in prison because they went to the club and got drunk? And then somebody next thing you know, some dude done stepped on another dude's shoe or the bouncer don't push you out the club. You going back to the car to get your gun. Everybody don't get shot up at the club. Do you know how many thousands of people literally are in prison right now because somebody got shot at the club when everybody was drinking? So again, whatever's in that bottle, I literally was like, I don't want to know what's in that bottle because I'm a black man and the odds are already kind of stacked against me, which means I'm going to have to be on full alert, high alert and ready for anything that comes at me. And I bet you that if I'm drunk, it's going to be easier for them to take me out than if I am sober and alert and looking around and intelligent and capable and ready. Why is that such a radical message? Why is that a message that makes people think that you're uppity? Why do people say, oh, well, you just, you just, you just, you just think you better than everybody else. I ain't trying to be better than everybody else. I'm trying to be better than my goddamn enemy, you fucking idiot. Seriously, like, why is there something radical about saying, black man, watch out. They coming to get you. Don't put that stuff in your body. Don't go drinking, taking them drugs and drinking that liquor bottle, man. They're going to they find a reason to lock you up. Malcolm X said it. The white man will sell you the liquor bottle and then he'll lock you up for being drunk. The last part, sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling, gambling. This is back to Clinton Portis. Uh, gambling is probably the one of the worst addictions that there are. Uh, when I was in Syracuse, uh, New York, I had just got my first fancy job. I was making $115,000 a year as a new professor at Syracuse. I was the highest paid assistant professor on the entire campus. And also the associate professors were a rank higher than assistants. You had to get tenure to be an associate. I made more than all the associate professors. So, you know, I was the most hated Negro on the campus, but I didn't care because I was smarter than all them white folks anyway. Uh, clearly I was. I was a superstar. That's why I got paid so much. Right. So I'm on Syracuse University's campus and I'm getting paid all this money. At least at that time, it seemed like a lot. When you go from making nothing to suddenly making ten thousand dollars a month, 
that's a come up, right? So here I am, 20, 32 years old, young, eligible bachelor, got all the money in the bank, right? And I and I had a few, you know, had some knowledge in my brain, not as much as I do now, but back then I had a PhD, so I was pretty smart. Only black man in America actually to get a PhD in finance. And not that I'm bragging, but it was true. I mean, it was hard. I'm going to own that. Uh, so anyway, I go and I'm going to go buy a car. And I, and, the, and I went to this car lot and there was this old dude who uh, gave me um, uh, who let, who took me around in the car I was thinking about getting, I don't remember what it was. It was something nice. And, um, and we were riding around in the car and I, and I, he was like 75 years old. And I'm thinking, why is a 75 year old man selling cars? And I said, I said, when are you going to retire? Like, why, you know, why are you still working every day at 75 years old? And you know what he said? He said, um, I had half a million dollars in my retirement account and I started going to the casino and I couldn't stop. And next thing you know, I had no money in my retirement account. And that's when I remember thinking, okay, th- again, th- this is just, th- again, maybe everybody can't do this, but I learned lessons from life. Remember, God gives you a lesson plan every day. God is always putting books on your table. It's just some of y'all Negroes don't want to read, right? So so, so God was saying, he was sending me a, an SOS saying, voice, peak game, like, like, like take notes, right? Do you, re- do you want to be 75 years old having to work? Because you had half a million and you lost it all, right? And and you see this happen with a lot of athletes and a lot of entertainers, et cetera, where, where you you get uh, swept away by the culture. And uh, next thing you know, you, you sign that $50 million, $100 million deal as an athlete and you had it all. You had all the money, all the fame, all the women, all the everything. And then you lose it all. And then you spend the rest of your life not being able to get back what you used to have. And 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 so I remember thinking, okay, at that moment, I said, I'm not going out like that. I'm not going out like that. So so what I would just say to you is that if you are talking about your own life, these are the four deadly sins that tend to take out a black man, uh, the ones that fail, sex, drugs, alcohol, gambling. You can usually link it to one of those four things. Uh, you can blame it on other people. You can say, oh, he married the wrong women or he or or the white man did it to him or whatever. Right. And I know that we're, we people like to play the blame game. Right. And that's fine. Whatever. Blame other people. But if you're a person that takes some responsibility and some accountability, you can usually link it back to those four things. So that means that if you are a black man, keep that in mind. If you are a black woman, keep that in mind, not just for yourself, but for, for any man that you link up with. Uh, it, none of these things in themselves are necessarily 100 percent bad. Right. Uh, It's all about moderation. And that's the idea. Right. Everybody has sex. But if you're a sex addict, that's a different kind of thing. Right. If you got to have if you like Winston Bennett, who played for the Kentucky Wildcats and I think he was coaching at the Boston Celtics. He seemed I think he lost a couple jobs because he was having sex literally with 30, 40 women a month. That's a little bit too much. That's 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 a problem. This, they're gonna call the CDC on your ass because you're laying down with too many people. That's not healthy, right? Uh, uh, drugs. We all take drugs, maybe for medication or whatever. Maybe even recreational drugs. Maybe you smoke a little weed. I'm not judging that, but but excesses where you're coping with life through drugs or through alcohol will get will cause you major problems. Also, uh, gambling. Uh, everybody gambles. Maybe most of us gamble a little bit. I went to Vegas for my honeymoon, had a great time. I dropped some money on the blackjack table and then I walked away. But excessive gambling is a problem. And I remember watching um, uh, Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker had made one hundred and eleven million dollars. He made more than Clinton Portis and he lost it all. He lost every single penny. And one of the things I remember reading about Antoine was that Antoine would sit with Michael Jordan, who also was a gambling addict. It's just he could afford his habit. Right. Michael did not gamble himself into the poorhouse because Michael is a billionaire now. Right. Michael made more money than a lot of other players. But anyway, they would gamble all night long and gamble away like hundreds of thousands, if not over a million dollars every time. Allen Iverson 
would love to go to the casino, get a little drunk. When you get drunk, you start feeling overconfident. You start feeling like Superman. Again, this is about investor psychology. That's what my expertise is. So when you're drunk, you start feeling like you, you can keep going. That's why the casinos give you free liquor. That's why they give you free liquor, because they want you to just kind of just they want you to let down your inhibitions. They want you to let down your guard. They want you to be unconscious. Right. People that want to take advantage of you do not want your consciousness to be uh, on high alert. They want your consciousness to be down so they can jump right in and extract from you. And this is 10 times more true when you are an athlete. If you are a professional athlete and you're making five, 10, 15 million dollars a year. Um, the gold diggers are looking for your weakness. What is his vulnerability? Does he like women with big booties? Does he like what, what kind of liquor does he drink? How is he? Is he stupid? Like, will he fall for anything? Will he fall for an investment? The investment advisors are saying, hmm, we this this dude don't read his contracts. So maybe we can get his name on the dotted line on a deal that works in our favor. Right. You've got uh, so many other people that are going to try to prey on you and you have to be conscious to know where that is coming. Right. Don't. Why do you think? I mean, just to just to give you a little bit of a personal piece of business. Um, I I bet the hell out of people when they come close to me. I I literally have had people where I said they, that person works for me, but I don't even want to talk to them until people I trust have talked to have known that person for a year. So we can make sure that they're not a Trojan horse, that they're not coming in here trying to steal, trying to do something crazy, trying to do something shady. Uh, and so you have to have a coping process with that. And I think, but again, I had to be in my forties to figure that out. If you're 22 years old, you just a sitting duck, man. So, so when you that age, if you're smart and you're young, just know that being young means you're, you're probably stupid. It doesn't mean that you're stupid for your age. It just means that you're stupid compared to how smart you're going to be when you're 40 and you've learned all your lessons. So if you're young and you're smart, what I encourage you to do is to accept, is to first sign of intelligence is to realize how unintelligent you are, right? The first sign of knowledge is to know how little you actually know. So if you are smart and you are young, find you some advisors and really trust your advisors. Listen to your mentors. Let them tell you the game. Let them be honest with you. Take your ego out of the process. Stop thinking that you can do everything by yourself. You're 21 years old, Shikari Richardson. You need to have a 40-year-old sitting right next to you that you trust, who's smart, who knows the game, who can protect you from all the people that are going to come and try to take things from you, who are going to try to distract you, who are going to try to get you involved in nonsense, who are going to try to get you signed up for things that are going to hurt you, right? You need that. And a lot of our young people don't have that. Why? Well, because they went and strategically and definitively did everything they could in the 1970s and the 80s through the crack era to destroy the black family. That's where I'm going back to Shikari. Y'all know me. I take it around the world, but I always bring it back home. That's why Shikari's mama is not a topic of discussion anywhere. That's why she says my biological mother died. And that's all she says. She doesn't say how she died, where she died. I'm willing to bet you every nickel in my bank account that there's something that, that this child who was raised by her grandma and her aunt, that her parents maybe somehow were affected by that horrible epidemic of drugs that occurred in the black community. I don't know. This is my spidey senses coming out. I'm not judging it, but that's what I see, right? They destabilized the black family so that you would now have young people out here making grown ass decisions without grownups around them to tell them what to do. And, and, and so that's where you see these crazy decisions being made. And the world loves it when a black person is out here destroying himself because y'all make good motherfucking entertainment. So anyway, I didn't mean to cuss so much. Please forgive me for cussing, but sometimes Uncle Boyce just starts cussing. That's just what it is. I can't help it. It's, it comes out the way it comes out. I'm not apologizing for that. So anyway, guys, I got to go. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button if you, uh, if, if you, um, 
if you want to be a part of the platform. I hope that you'll subscribe. Also, if you want a free copy of my book, I have a book called uh, called uh, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, A New Paradigm for Black America. You can get a free copy at allblackeconomics.com and also at allblackeconomics.com. You can get on the email list. I love sending out financial advice. I love to teach. I love to share information. So uh, get on our email list. I'll send you lots of free stuff. So anyway, guys, I got to go. Have a good day. And uh, sorry about what happened with Jeff earlier. I'm going to bring Jeff in when I can. Jeff is uh, a great guy and he's at the blackballschannel.com. And I hope you'll go subscribe there also because uh, Jeff Lysey Jr. is a real smart brother. And I like to support young people that are doing that thing. So God bless everybody. Have a good day. I'll see you soon. Take care. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your own. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down, Dion, Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.